Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Our mandate tonight is in the Gospel of St. John, the fourth chapter from the sixth verse. It gives us an account of one time our Lord Jesus walking uh, through the city of Samaria and then he goes to Jacob's well. And he was worried in his journey. He was tired and thirsty. He sat on the well and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman came of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me to drink. For his disciples were going away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give to me water, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence hast thou the living water. The well is so deep and you have nothing to fetch with. So where's the living water that you're going to give me or you would give me? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children, this cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, he shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing into everlasting life. And the woman said unto Jesus, Sir, give me that water. Today, I want to open a very wonderful revelation that I saw one day in my fellowship with God. And I begin from a place where in our human nature, We've had experiences in the journey that we have in life. Everybody has experienced a time in life where one time you woke up and you felt weak, not because you were sick or tired, but your soul was downcast. You've woken up one day and you felt disturbed by something you have no definition of. Sometimes you probably could know what is disturbing you, but then it throws your soul, like David says, in the dumps. You have woken up in a time where you feel that you are disappointed, but you don't even know why you're disappointed. Or sometimes you even know what you're disappointed about, but there are times you are disappointed, but you can't even point to what. Some people out there watching me, even Christians, have suffered depression. Some of us have suffered things that we don't have names for, but there's that time in life where you woke up and you felt weary, you felt tired, 
You don't know why you are tired. A couple of weeks ago, a young man came to me and said, Apostle Grace, I need your prayers for long. I'm suffering from a disease that I cannot diagnose through blood, but I am constantly tired. Constantly tired. He says, he could sleep a whole nine, ten hours. And then in that two or three hours of him awake, he is weak. He's weary. He's tired. And some people don't know when the soul is thirsty for something because they cannot define it. And then when that brokenness starts to come through, the Bible says that a broken spirit, who will bear? Because the spirit of a man is supposed to sustain you. God created your spirit to be revitalized as it is revitalizing other parts of you. God has made you to be strong in your spirit. The Bible says that the spirit of man will sustain his weakness. Your spirit can be weak. But the Bible says, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Sometimes our spirits are wounded and we do not know that they are wounded. They can be wounded by, you know, backstabbing, betrayal, heartbreak. Some people are going through heartbreaks in their relationships. Some are frustrated. Potentially, they feel that what they feel inside is not what they see outside. And they wake up every day to this pain that every day what I feel God has put in me to do, I don't see, you know, it manifests without me. And that frustration has no definition because it's not pain in your body, but your soul is questioning, why is it that I'm not where I'm supposed to be at this age? Why aren't I married now? Why don't I have children now? Why don't I have a job now? I believe that by 20 or 30, this would have happened when we were children. We had conversations that when I grow up, I'll do this. I'll drive this car, I'll leave here. I'll do that and I'll do this. And when you were 17 or 15, you thought probably you buy your first car, 22 and you're 40 or 50 and you know you even struggle to get transport to town and it's a hard life it's a complicated life and you have questions and it's okay if you were comfortable with that life but it's disturbing when you know you belong somewhere and it's not even last you're not just a lasting for those places because you feel the responsibility that invites you to greatness but you don't see that translation Every year you're getting frustrated and tired of where you are and disappointed in your life. Disappointed in your life. With your life. People have sent me messages and somebody says, I don't know why I'm alive. Apostle, I don't know why I'm alive. I wish I was dead. I fear killing myself because it is sin to take my own life, but I don't want to be alive. You see? Bible says that there will be many troubles in the world. So yeah, there are things that test and try believers. And sometimes even some, it's just so much hard work, but that has no ministry of God in it, you see. And we're not talking about necessarily doing these works outside the will of God, but sometimes when the wisdom of God is not reconciled with your service, in God, it can be the most trying experience. Do you know how many pastors right now are tired? They don't look to Sunday. They don't look to a weekly service. They don't look to a conference. Every time they draw close to it, they're anxious, they're nervous, they're troubled because they don't know what to do and where to begin life from. Somebody shout, hallelujah. And many years ago, the Lord showed me something 
that I believe gave me an answer for such situations, especially in the places when you feel you need restoration. Either you've been in pain, or frustration, or betrayal, whatever you've gone through. But when you feel weary, what do you do? When you feel tired of certain things in your life, what do you do? Somebody shout hallelujah. And so many actually give up. Oh, why am I seeking God for? What's the point of doing this? I've been doing it for years and I don't see the answer. What's the point of going here? What's the point of doing that? It's many answers that come in our carnal mind. But what does God say in such circumstances? Now, Jesus gives us this story as a point of instruction. Let me call it as a point of instruction to help you and me understand that the Son of God was once weary in the body, you see? And he needed drink because he had had a long journey. He was weary in his body, the Son of God, who is a hundred percent God. So he helps us recognize that sometimes in our flesh, we have limitations. That's why you go to sleep. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. You can't you know, go beyond how much you're able to carry in a day or two. You cannot drain your battery totally. You could die. You know, people have died because they cannot sleep. Anyway, so he is asking for water and water in this instance, the signification of relief says that he would have a certain ministration to his body to be able to move and function like it is supposed to function. He comes to a woman who needs another kind of water. And then he asks for the water that she is able to give because she is human and she's ministering to his body. And she refuses because the Sumerians have issues with the Jews. And then Jesus brings this conversation. But you see, I'm asking for what you would drink and still feel thirsty. I'm asking for what you could take and it would run out in the system of digestion in your body. Yet what I am able to give you, he says, you will never thirst again. Ah, she doesn't understand it. She says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is so deep. How will you give me that water? And Jesus goes on to explain to her that the kind of water I'm talking about is not that which feeds your body. It is that which feeds your spirit, your soul. And the woman says, give me that water. So I begin with this question. How many of us even understand what Jesus meant by the water which he gives and that a man will never thirst again? In fact, he says beyond just being full, he says, that man out of him shall flow a well, a water springing out of him into life everlasting. That man will have access to a certain kind of ministry within his spirit that has sufficiency for the strength to do all that he has to do and have enough to be able to give the rest that are around him. That's living water. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you understand this, you will stay full. If you understand what I'm going to share, you will stay refreshed all your life. 
You will never look tired. Somebody shout hallelujah. You will never grow weary. God will never even allow the things that frustrate you to frustrate you. Somebody shout hallelujah. That at the point when you think that you need a thing, he shall bring it so quickly that he will not allow you to be frustrated. Somebody shout hallelujah. He will not allow you to be broken. He'll make sure that there's a constant restoration at the onset of when you need it and how you need it according to his truth. And you know, it's possible. Some people don't know that it is, but it is possible. Because Jesus has told us that there is something he can give you and you'll never thirst again. Jesus! Not Apostle Grace. Jesus, not religion. Jesus, not some guy who has his own idea about how God looks like. Jesus has said, I can give you something and you will never thirst again. That means you will never need because you'll have so much and not just enough, but you'll flow. Out of you will be a spring of water that will reveal God's eternal purposes and power. It is possible to live a life full. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, one day I was reading the Psalms 23. All of us have read, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Huh? I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's a very deep thing to think. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. That means God has not called you to want. He has not called you to any form of luck. Oh, you know, it's okay for you to lack this. It's okay as long as you have Jesus. Listen, you don't know God. God has not called you to lack anything. So the psalmist saw God and who he was and what he could do. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does he do? The Bible says, he maketh me to lie down, first thing, in green pastures. It's something I'm fed with. All right? He leadeth me besides still waters. When we mention the waters, the Bible says in the next line, he restoreth my soul. The restoration of the soul cannot come before the ministry of the green pastures and the waters. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you read the Amplified Version of verses 3, he says, the Bible says, he refreshes and restores my life. He refreshes and restores my life. Do you know how some of us have used computers, how they refresh? You used to, you know, right click, refresh, then the computer refreshes, right? You're not like a computer. No, you're more than a computer. You have a pre configured refresh button that is constantly refreshing. You don't even need to do anything. You just need to understand where to be. And I'm going to show you. It's more than just, ah, now let me refresh. No, it's more than that. God has said that I want to create an atmosphere where you can be refreshed even without the conscience applying itself to that refreshment. Where you live in a constantly restored life without necessarily deliberately trying to seek that restoration. He says he refreshes and restores my life. He knew that you would need those moments where he has to minister to you that way. He has to refresh your spirit. He has to restore you. You need those moments where he just has to restore you. That means, imagine somebody who God constantly refreshes. How would they look like? 
and now to discover that it is the will of God for you to constantly stay fresh. Do you know what it's like to preach the message and every day your message is fresh? Do you know what it's like to minister with a restored life? Nothing breaks with you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Everything is flowing a certain way. It has an effect on your body. Imagine when you wake up every day and your heart is refreshed. Your kidneys are refreshed. Your liver, your stomach, your intestines are refreshed. Your mind is refreshed. How can you run mad? Somebody shout hallelujah. Your thought patterns are refreshed. And God says it's possible to live a fresh life, a restored life. Hence, every time people look at you, you have that form of youthfulness about you. You are rejuvenated every time you are strong. Every You see, recently somebody was telling me, you know, when you get a certain age, some parts of your body can't move. And in my spirit, I say, I refuse that in Jesus' name. Why? Because I play basketball with boys who are 20, with boys who are 15. And we run and they get tired and they sit and I stay running. Why? Because in my spirit I say, Rado Zida, refreshed by God. My muscles are restored. You speak to yourself. Somebody shout hallelujah. Those things of accepting old age early. I find a 30 year old says, I am growing old. 30. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. So he says that there's a refreshing that comes. And this is what I discovered. Many of us were never taught how to dwell in the presence of God. Many of us just visit the presence. Many of us just relate with the presence as a routine. That every morning I wake up and I make my prayers. And then I read my Bible. And then in the evening when I'm going to sleep, I wake up still and I read my Bible and I pray. So if you dedicate one hour in the morning and probably another in the evening, or many of you who are even watching me can't dedicate 10 minutes. You're already out. By the time you pray into the 10th minute, you're out. You see? And then you're living 24 hours indifferent to the life that is supposed to refresh and restore you. And you ask yourself why you go to bed tired and weak. I sleep sometimes for three hours, sometimes for four hours, sometimes for five hours. And I wake up like I've slept for 12 or 13 hours. And I'm able to run through the whole day. And I'm busy from morning to night. And I'm praying for people and counseling them at 1 or 2 a.m. sometimes. But I wake up strong. Why? Because I've understood what the presence of God is supposed to do. Somebody shout hallelujah. You have read that in Psalms 91, you read, oh, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Do you realize it's the secret place of the Most High? Do you realize it's a place of his presence? Do you realize that when you learn to dwell in the presence of God, there are things he will do in you, through you. You see, he has promised. That's why many of us pray through Psalms 91. And say, somebody says, you know, you're in trouble, press through Psalms 91. Many people apply that. Oh, if this is happening, press through Psalms 91. You ask them, but do you dwell there? Or you're applying Psalms 91 also because somebody told you it's like a drug. It's like a two times three. Psalms 91 is a testimony of men who know how to dwell in the praise of God. 
It is not just a prayer. You apply when you are in trouble. Please understand this. Psalms 91 is not a prayer you apply when you are in trouble. It's an experience of people who know how to dwell in the secret place of the most high God. Those are they that abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. He says, I will say of the Lord, because the man is in the presence, the Lord becomes his refuge. The Lord becomes his fortress. And he says, in him I will trust. Somebody shout hallelujah. Why? Why is the man protected? Not because he has built barriers around him, but because he dwells so deep that he cannot be touched. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Surely. He did not say he might or he could or he wants to. He says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilences. If you are a believer who is in constant trouble, check where you are spiritually, where you're dwelling. Because God has promised those who dwell under the shadow of his wings, how they will be. It ain't mean that people cannot attack you. It does not mean that things will not come to you. But he has told you that if they have to find you, they have to first go through him to get to you. That's what he's saying. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. So some of us, for example, some of you, you are alive. And you take it for granted. But some of you, one day God will open your eyes to see how many times you could have died. But because you're alive, you probably don't know the testimony of being alive. And probably the guy giving a testimony of, I thank God I'm alive, is because probably he survived an accident. Oh, but some of you, okay, look at the diseases of the world. If you're in Africa, you've suffered of malaria sometime in your life. Isn't it? It's true. But how many people are killed by malaria every year? By the hundreds. By the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. In fact, they say that in one given year in the whole world, you could lose close to, they say about 2 million people dying of some fly, some mosquito, somewhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you went through COVID and you did not die, but it killed others. Are you hearing me? Some people right now watching me, you have diseases in your body that kill others, but they're in you and they've not killed you. Somebody shout hallelujah. The cars you go in every day, they kill other people, but they don't kill you. Somebody shout hallelujah. The bombs and the bullets you hear flying in the air, they go hit others, but they don't touch you. Somebody shout hallelujah. But you see, I want us to understand that we have to stop dealing with the presence of God as a place we visit or a place we separate ourselves into in the days of fasting and prayer. It should be a constant dwelling place for you. And he has guaranteed no man who dwells there can be broken. God can't let it. If it happens, it's only for seconds. And then something star in your spirit and then somehow you find yourself energized and refreshed. And that is why there are people right now watching me. You have challenges. Somebody has probably a health issue, a relationship issue, a business issue, a career issue. And the people who are looking at you and they're wondering, how come she's so strong? This is why they don't know that you are in a very different place from where they are. <laughs> 
let me tell you, the things that will kill others will not kill you when you know where and how to dwell in the presence of God. He has told us. He has told us. He has told us. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. He told them how he shall save you from the noisome pestilences and he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will trust and his truth and shield shall be your buckler and you shall not be afraid of the terror of the night nor the arrow that flieth by the day nor the pestilences that walketh in darkness nor the destruction that comes at noonday for a thousand shall fall at one side and ten thousand on thy right hand and it shall not come near you only with your eyes you'll see the reward of the wicked as you are far inaccessible in the most holy place he will give you like he promises all of these things but the secret is they are dwelling there they're not visiting there Somebody shout amen. He says, how excellent is your loving kindness, O God. Listen, therefore, Psalm 36, verse 7. He says, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men, he says, put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Does that ring a bell? So when he says that the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings, He's not talking about every child of man. He's not about those who dwell under his shadow. Those who dwell in the secret place. And the next verse 8, he says, They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of his house. You cannot seek God and be poor. You cannot seek God and struggle. You cannot seek God. If you are seeking and you're struggling, then you don't know who you're seeking. But if you are seeking the God I know, he has promised fatness. The word there for fatness is the measure of the anointing due to the man who seeks him. The fatness of his house. The fatness of the house of God is the anointing. But as you continue dwelling in his presence, there's a certain anointing that is distinct on your life. It's different. It shows that you're not an ordinary person. You could do ordinary things, but you are different. You're different. When you switch it on, they'll know that you're not a normal person. Somebody shout hallelujah. Next line. And thou shalt make them, the word has a back, drink of the river of thy pleasures. You will make them drink of the rivers of thy pleasures. Tell your neighbor, run to the waters. Tell them, run to the waters and stay in the waters. Somebody shout hallelujah. Tell him stay in the waters. He says, verses 9, for with thee is the fountain of life. And he has given the definition of life as a fountain of water. And he says, and in thy light we shall see light. So we see, even the place of revelation is from the flow of that fountain. So when a man says, oh, how is that when you read the Bible, you understand it? It's the things that are flowing. Is the things that are flowing in my spirit. How come somebody is sharing something so deep? How do you understand? How do you connect this? How do you divide this? How is it that you understand? Who taught you how? Listen, when you learn to dwell in the presence of God, the fountain of life gives a certain light. And in that light, you start to see light. Somebody shout hallelujah. The revelation of God becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. It's the pastures and the water. They go together. The green pasture and the water go together. You cannot have that experience of the dwelling and revelation does not come. It's not possible. No man dwells in that secret place and they don't have a distinct revelation of God or a secret with God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. 
So when the psalmist entered that experience and he started to enjoy that presence, you hear him say, oh, one thing that I long for and one thing that I yearn for is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold his beauty and inquire in his costs. You see him weeping, oh, Father God, when will I be in your presence? For the wicked have smitten me and afflicted me. I long to be. This was a man who had understood the power of dwelling in the presence of God and you could see him yearning. I was glad when they said to me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. For him, the presence is all he knows. It's the only place he knows he can thrive. And let me tell you, there is nothing as dangerous as not knowing how to bleed in the presence. You know, you could go through something. You could get hurt. Your spouse could hurt you. Your boyfriend would hurt you. You Friends can desert you, people can betray, people can do things that will cut you on. People can hate you without cause. People can do things to you that are so wicked. And sometimes you're like, how, how, you see? But at that point when you are bleeding, if you do not know how to bleed in the presence of God, there is nothing that the devil loves to use for destruction like bleeding outside the presence. Outside the presence. One day, many years ago, somebody I knew very well went and paid somebody to write something so wicked about me and the ministry. I don't know whether they were paid to come and pick information, false information, and they took it and wrote. I remember, if you remember very well, the picture on that article, I was captured on camera preaching on the streets and then gave it a different title and name. I was broken. I was not worried for me, but I was broken that somebody would find me on the streets preaching and write an article and says that we are a sex cult. We were preaching on the streets with a group of people, winning souls. And a young woman who I know wrote that. Somebody I think paid her. And I remember when I read it, I went in the presence and I just laid prostrate and locked myself from the world. While I was first down in his presence, as it continued, I continued worshiping him and praising God. Right on that ground, the Lord showed me something and he said, see what I'm going to do because of this article you see what I'm going to do. And then he gave me a vision of what he was supposed to do, what he was going to do because of what the devil had done. You see, God, when he sees you go through something that is not your fault and he knows that you are innocent about something, he will 
or he must create an atmosphere one day that not only will or can vindicate you, but will show that you are his because he's jealous over us. God is jealous over us. He's jealous over us. He's jealous over us. He's so jealous of us. And I remember he showed me a vision of what Fener was to become. And he started to show me all the possible things that were going to happen through this article. And even the people who read it and misunderstood it and how some were going to come in the reconciliation years. We went through a conversation. I cannot tell you. We went through all the things that were to happen as the consequence of this one article. And at the end of it, everything was good. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. And I stood up from there with the words, you will stand. You will stand. It was a simple sentence. And I got all the vision. I never spoke anything against that individual. Never. Up to that, never touched her. But I know the person. I've never. I never. Somebody shout hallelujah. I spoke about it years later. But during that time, I first let it go. When you learn to dwell in the presence of God, the enemy will never court you outside the presence. But never forget the words you will say or hear in the presence because those are what matters. Somebody shout hallelujah. Those are what matters. Not what they think outside, but what you have with God is what matters. When you see pastors who open the Bibles and they mention this pastor, and they mention their name, they mention the church, many of those people don't know how to dwell. They don't understand what it means to go and report a matter to God and leave it there. Because see, no secular court can give you justice. Never get this wrong. No person can fight for you outside God when you are a man or a woman of God. Exodus 14, 14. When you become a believer and you become a child of God, he says the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. He cannot fight when you are not holding your peace. This is the condition. If you want to see God fight, keep quiet. Let them say, why is she quiet? I think she's guilty. It's okay to appear guilty because you're keeping your peace. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's okay. Because see, when Jesus was at the cross, don't you think there was people who were saying, if he's God, let him come out of this. If he's God, let him do something. You see, but they don't have a clue what God is up to. They don't have a clue that this man is dying for the sins of the world and that salvation is going to come upon all who believe because of this one sacrifice. Because of this one sacrifice. He was the prince of peace. Anything we know as peace was in that man. So to learn to keep quiet and suffer silently for the sake of God. And you know, standing up from the praise of God and what was supposed to hurt you, you start to joy over because you see what God is going to do after the devil has done all he can do. It is beautiful when the devil is done and God says, let me show you also. <laughs> Somebody said, hallelujah. It's beautiful when the devil has strained everything he could. And then God comes through and says, let me show them too what power is. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Tell your neighbor, dwell there. Live there. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. 
So this man is praying, he's seeking, he's enjoying his glory, his understanding. What this does, and in Psalms 42 verse 7, he says, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. That means when you are in that presence, you're sensing the water spouts and all thy waves and billows are gone over me. Because it's telling us that the experience of the Spirit, when a man is one with God in the presence of God, it feels like there are water spouts and there are waves that are flowing and billows are going all over you and you feel the presence of God because the water in this instance means the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it says, yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime and in the night His songs shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. And when you start to see the billows, you start to sense the waves and you start to hear the noise of the water spouts. In Psalms 89 verses 15, He says, blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. He's not just talking about trumpets, no. He's talking about the joyful sound of the waves, of the waters, of the billows flowing over you because you are in the place where God wants you to be. He's talking about the sound you are able to hear that many people are not able to hear. He's talking about that moment when the doctors say that you are going to die, but then you are in that presence and God tells you, uh-uh, it's not yet your time, you will leave. But it's contrary to what the science is saying, and that's okay. But he's saying it's not yet your time for you to die. He's talking about that moment when everything outside that you are gone, you're losing your job, you're losing that house, but inside that there is a voice telling you, Mm-mm, you're not losing it, even better, I have plans for you. He's talking about that moment when they fired you from the job and you did not have anywhere to go and you woke up in the morning looking at your children and God is telling you, no, why you are sad is because you thought that that job was your security and that with it, that was the only way you'd be provided for. That God became your God. Now let me show them that I can do even without that job. Are you hearing me? Blessed are they people that know the joyful sound. Somebody shout hallelujah. That moment when it looks like your marriage is gone and God says, uh-uh, this is temporal. You're not only going to go through it, but the glory that is going to come with this, the devil will wish that he never touched you. Do you know that the devil is regretting every day for crucifying Christ? Every day. If there's one regret hell has, why did I crucify the man? It was enough for him to come alone. But the devil did not know that at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, many sons were coming to glory. And now the burden of one man upon him has multiplied through all of us. And now we are burdening him. The gates of hell are in trouble. We're depopulating hell every day, taking men out of darkness into the marvelous light. Had he known, had he known, he would have said, uh-uh, let the man be. For the Bible says, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. Blessed is the people that hear the joyful sound. Listen, God has not created you to suffer. And then somebody says, you know, there are people who preach the gospel that, you know, salvation is effortless. You don't suffer. You know, you don't suffer. But the truth is, the reality is that we suffer. Yes, you do, sir. Because you don't know the scriptures. You err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. But if you understood the scriptures, God does not want us to suffer. No. He says, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly until it overflows. Christianity is supposed to be the most beautiful life. 
I'm not saying that the attacks won't come, but even in that attack, he can create beauty and will create beauty. Even in those tests and trials, he will create bigger testimonies. You come out of one and then you enter a deeper one and even with that you're testifying. You suffer from an incurable disease and then it opens up your ministry. Because not only were you healed, but you're going to heal the rest. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's in the gospel where God tells the barren woman to scream and shout because the children of the barren shall be more than the woman whose womb was opened before. Can you believe that? Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says before Zion travailed, she brought forth child. You know the meaning? It means before Zion travailed. He's not saying you need to go through a travail to bring forth. He's saying there can be a place where even before you feel pain, the child comes out. What does that mean? Before you struggled, you got the job. Before you got concerned that you're not getting married, you were married before the concern. You got the child before you thought, I think I need to have a child. You got the breakthrough before you even imagined that breakthrough. You got the multiplication before you even asked for it. Before she travailed, she brought forth child. The Bible says before her pain came, she was delivered. So God wants you to live a life. Woo! Blessed are the people that hear this joyful sound. Hey! Somebody say before pain comes, I will bring forth. Yes. Those things of, you know, you need to go through pain to have a good job. You need to go through pain to have a successful ministry. You need to go through pain to keep your marriage. You need to go through pain to have a good business. No, 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 no. Before you travail, God will bring it. Somebody shout hallelujah. And let them judge you for getting it quicker. You know, we even have people in the church who say, if it comes that easy, I suspect it's of God. What? So, it's supposed to come hard so we know it's of God. Somebody once said, how can this guy have 10,000 members in four years? It's not possible. God doesn't work like that. I said, eh. If God doesn't work like that, then I want to see what the devil does. Somebody shout hallelujah. They just don't know. There are things that come and I tell God, I will not travail over this. I will not pain over this. But you know that people, when you analyze their lives, everything they've had has come through pain. Everything they've had has come through pain. And they've built doctrines around, you know, if you don't struggle, you can get it. Some of us need to understand what it means to be royalty. Some of us need to understand what it means to be sons and daughters of Most High God. Princes, kings, queens. Some of us need to know what it means to be a priest or a king and to God. Revelation 5.10. You need to know. You need to know. You need to know. We were created for up there. Not down here. No. We were created for the best things in life. That's how he has made us. You know, some people even feel like they have sinned to drive a good car. They feel more righteous to drive an old car. They say, I'm so righteous. Look at my car. Heaven will shock people. I'm telling you. Heaven will shock people. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So he says, blessed is the people that know 
the joy of the sound. He says, they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name, the Bible says, they shall rejoice all day. And in thy righteousness, they shall be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength. And in thy favor, our horn shall be established. Look at that kind of life. Imagine the kind of life where you're rejoicing in the name of the Lord all day and the glory of God is your strength. The glory of God is your strength. The glory of God is your strength. You are established in the righteousness of God. You are far from sickness. You are far from trouble. You are far from pain. You are far. And things are happening around you every day. And people ask, how do you do it? Tell them I dwell somewhere. I dwell somewhere. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why you cannot live that kind of life when you don't know how to constantly dwell in the presence of God. How his mind is stayed on him. His mind is stayed on God. When you learn to keep a mind stayed on God, you are dwelling when you learn to have a mind that is stayed on him. Let me tell you something so interesting. Let me open up a bit of my life. Almost every time of my life, I have a scripture running through my spirit. Almost every time of my life that I can remember, there is a scripture in my spirit. Almost all the time that I know, even when I'm doing the busiest job, a hymn is singing in my spirit. It's something that when you learn to exercise yourself over, it becomes so a part of you that even in your sleep, my wife can tell you she has woken up when I'm sleeping and I'm speaking tongues. Because that's my life. Even in sleep, you understand what I'm saying? You must learn to live a life that is constantly stayed on God. Don't apply scriptures because you're in trouble. Just get a scripture every day and just mince on it, eat on it, allow it to consume you and take you. You'll see your life change every day. I am a product of a person who knows how to dwell. That is why I would sit in the bank and work the whole day and just go to a meeting and get a guy off a clutch and he walks. Because I did not just prepare for the service. I was prepared already, even before the service. Why? Because I was with God. I have learned to be busy at the most busiest thing I could be, yet be so one with God that I can hear him anytime. Learn. Just learn to live that life. See, this is the advantage of the New Testament. Jesus came. What they used to go to came to them. What men used to seek sought them and made an abode in them. He dwelt in them, Jesus Christ. He is now in the inside of you. The Son of God is in you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hasn't he's in dwelling through the ministry of the word? Because it's a word that became flesh, isn't it? So when Christ is dwelling through you, he says, may Christ dwell in your hearts through a faith. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. May he dwell in your hearts 
through faith, being rooted and grounded in love. He says you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the depth, and what is the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you might be filled, he says, with the fullness of God. The Amplified says that you may be a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. It's possible to have a body filled and flooded with God himself. Where did you begin from? Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see? So keep the word of God constantly in your spirit. Don't apply it only in your devotion. No. You know, there are times I just allow the word of God to be in my spirit and it's singing in there and I get a hymn and I get a spiritual song and I just find myself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but inside something is blowing in there. It's telling me you're about to flow, you're about to flow, you're about to flow, you're about to overflow. Something is about to come out of you. Something is about to create. Something is about to establish. Something is about to astound, something is about, something is in there. You are constantly living a life of giving and giving and giving because you have a Lord in you. Let me tell you, I tell people, even if you told me, preach every day. I can preach every day. By the way, today's Fanero 361. 365. So we've made a year of preaching. Hmm? Now, that means if I was preaching every day, what you see, is one year of preaching. Mm -hmm. Give me 10. Give me 20. You understand? Give me 30. You understand what I'm saying? What you see is just one year of teaching. One year. In there, people have gotten married, had children, gotten jobs. You understand? <laughs> Serving God. Eh? Just 365 sermons. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, what should happen? What should happen to the guy who has it every day? Where do you expect them at? Do you understand what I'm saying? I cannot run out. I cannot run out. Out of me is a river flowing. Even if you told me preach every day, I can preach every day. I'm among those people who can preach every day and still have a lot to say every day. I have so much that my life on earth is not enough. And that's the truth. I will always be deep. That's the truth. Because I know where I dwell. I know what I drank. I know who is inside there. You can take it also. Somebody shout hallelujah. But I know, I know. Because he has said, when I saw that he could give water and a man would never thirst, how can I seek for revelation and it's not there? No. When I'm going to preach, you know what I do? I just say rada kobarado kopra dego riga rada go and it just comes a whoosh. And I say, what? And I start typing. And I preach. Revelation. Pa instant. You understand? Because my place of ministry is not my place of dwelling. No. Those are two different worlds. I don't teach you as the Lord teaches me. No. No, 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 no. I give you what's instant drama for what you need because I am your minister. But I'm not where you are. No, 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 no. That's the truth. It's not pride. It's the truth. I'm so far. Some of you, the things I teach you, some of you, I learned these things 15 years ago. Yeah, that's the truth. But some of you were not ready to take it. 
Are you hearing me? And it's the patience of the Lord. You say, no, this love edifies. Instead of being puffed up with knowledge, let me just give what they're able to take. But we have a lot in there. No man who dwells there can run out. You cannot run out. Those things of, I'm tired. I don't have any strength anymore. I'm preaching every day and I think I'm tired. No, 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 no. You're in the wrong place. Or rather, you're in the wrong profession. Listen, he says, be instant. In and out of season. We have it all the time. Somebody shout hallelujah. Even now as I'm preaching, I feel the refreshed thing is more is coming. More is coming. The billows and the floods, the waves of the spirit are flowing all over me. I feel it. It's there. I feel it. I feel it. Live constantly full. Don't create experiences where you're empty and then you seek to be filled. You'll never be successful. Live constantly refreshed. Live constantly recovered. You'll see a life of joy. You'll see a life of happiness. You'll see a life of peace. It doesn't matter whatever comes your way. You will go through it and win. You will win everything that will come your way. Somebody shout hallelujah. Acquaint yourself with him. Acquaint yourself with him. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Nothing without you. Without you, you're worthy that I breathe. Can't live without you. Without you, Jesus, you I live and move and have my being. Hosanna to Jehovah, you were the air that I breathe. Hallelujah, hallelujah, you I lead and move and have my being. Nothing without you. You are the end. I can't leave without you. Without you, Jesus, in you I live and move 
thank you our life is changed tonight we have learned what to do we are confident of what you are doing in our lives I bless you every man and woman at the sound of my voice healing is come to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus receive healing of any sickness in Jesus mighty name thank you Lord death is far from you Sickness is far from you. The attacks of the enemy will not come near you. In the name of Jesus, the Bible is very clear. May they get lost in their devices against you. God is going to deal with whatever set itself against you. And he'll confound it to the glory of his name. Father, we thank you because you've heard us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You just need to repeat these words after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.